Well, welcome everybody. I'm Todd Brown. This is uh, the title of the class is Good Work. If you're not here for that, you're in the wrong room. Um, I've titled the class Living Well at the Intersection of Faith and Business or Navigating the Marketplace with a Jesus-Formed Moral Compass. Um, and I want to begin with a few assumptions just so you know where I'm coming from this morning. Uh, in the beginning, I would say this. Some are called to faithful leadership in the marketplace. Maybe most are called to the marketplace, not to the ministry. But some are called to faithful leadership in the marketplace. Some are called to lead companies and lead in a, a host of areas like um, they're, they're called to be bosses and managers and entrepreneurs. They're called to start things and build things and run things. And these men and women serve the kingdom as business leaders. They're building wealth and they're providing jobs for a lot of people. And I was with, uh, not long ago, I was with, uh, several years ago, I was with Jeff Immelt, who is the former CEO of GE. There was a group of us, um, several philanthropists, and having a conversation with him and Someone said to him, okay, GE is this multinational, huge, billions and billion dollar company. You're all over the world. What do you do for philanthropy? What do you do to help people? And he said, we provide jobs. He said, we give people jobs. He said, if you, if you think about it, what the world needs everywhere you go, what people need are good jobs. They need a way to make a living wage. I mean, a, 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 a job that pays them enough that they can sustain their families, that they can sustain their lives. He said, that's what we do. And I think that there's a place, an incredibly important place, for Christian leadership in the marketplace as business leaders. And that's what I'm specifically speaking to this morning, is what does it look like to be a faithful business leader as you try to live out your faith in Christ. And someone will say, well, what about the rich young ruler? Right? And what about when, 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 the, when, when we meet somebody that's a, a rich young man in business that, that, and you see Jesus come across and the first thing Jesus says is, hey, why don't you leave all that behind? And there's something really significant to think about there. But it's clearly not universal. Right? If you look at what happens as the church moves forward, there's not an expectation that everybody's going to leave their jobs and go into ministry. Some are. Some are called to that. Some are called to that kind of apostolic role or that ministerial um, pastoral role. But most aren't. Um, and I want to be clear that we're talking about business leadership. I had a friend uh, that, that I came talk to a few days ago. About a year ago, he decided that he had made enough money, he had done all he needed to do in business, and so he was going to devote himself to ministry and philanthropy, and he was just, that's all he was going to do. And I heard from him a couple of weeks ago, and he's changed his mind. He said, you know what? I'm supposed to be a businessman. I'm called to be a businessman. That's what, that's what I said. I'm not really good at this other stuff. I'm good at running a business. And he said, I'm going to devote my energy to that, and I'm going to try to be faithful to that, and I'm going to be a good steward of that, but that's what God's called me to do. Um, one of the things I believe is that as you move through the world of business, that as you increase responsibility and decision-making, that it becomes more and more difficult to navigate with a moral compass. The questions get much more difficult. The answers get much grayer. Um, if, if you're just working in a minimum wage job, and, 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 and that's, a, that's an honorable thing to do, but if you don't have decisions to make and you don't have responsibilities, you're just showing up every day and going to work, the questions are pretty simple. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Show up. Do your job. But as you, as you navigate through to positions of leadership and responsibility, of decision-making, it gets more and more and more difficult. It's to, 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 to say, what's the right thing to do here? How do I honor Christ in this place, in this way, in this space? Um, <clears throat> so first assumption is some are called to, be, to faithful leadership in business. Second assumption is this. 
I deeply desire to live an integrated life. Right, so for me, it's really important that my faith in Jesus and my, follower, my, my fellowship of Jesus, my discipleship, isn't divorced from my world as a businessman. That my Sunday life and my Monday life ought to be connected. That how I live as a Christian isn't just, doesn't just deal with my family. It deals with how I operate in, um, at, at my workplace with employees, with competitors, with partners. I want the whole of my life to be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There, 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 there can't be for me, or there shouldn't be. I don't want them. Silos or cutouts that say, all right, this space in my life doesn't, doesn't, has different set of rules, different set of priorities. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my money and how I make it. Um, that to me means so much more than putting a fish on my business card, right? Because I, I don't want to hide my discipleship, but I, I don't want to hide behind it either, right? So we had a situation um, about a year and a half ago where we were moving offices and uh, had someone make a light fixture right in the front entrance to our office. And had a little band around it and the decorator said, you can put something on if you want to. And the, one of our assistants heard that and called her up later and thought she'd be, she'd be helpful. And she said, <clears throat> well, you need to put the scripture. Our companies are all called Mariah something. So um, we're the Mariah Group, Mariah Real Estate Company, Mariah uh, Resources. And so she called the company up and said, here's what I'll put Mariah, the mountain on which the Lord will provide from Genesis. Well, we came in and saw that and, and said, no, you take that off. Because for us, we don't want to leave with that. We want it to be so evident and so real from the way we act and the way we conduct ourselves that, that that's the testimony. It's not, it's not a bumper sticker or it's not a fish on a card. That it's, it's who we are. It's how we live. And that if you interact with us, I want it to be absolutely abundantly clear where my priorities lie. But it's not going to be because you read it on the, on, on the website. Right? Um, so let me tell you a little bit about my life. So my dad's here. Um, <clears throat> so I'll start there. We were, I was born in L.A. Um, when dad was going to Pepperdine, downtown campus. And uh, when, when I was two years old, we moved to Brazil as missionaries. So mom and dad moved us to first Belo Horizonte and then Sao Paulo. And then we <clears throat> ended up coming back to California and we moved to Midland, Texas because that's, dad heard that there were good jobs out there. He was an accounting major at Pepperdine, was a CPA, and so they said there's, there's a need for that out there. Midland, Texas, if you don't know, <laughs> is the opportunity capital of the world. It is absolutely a phenomenal place for building a career, um, building a life. Uh, it's just extraordinary. So if, again, if you don't know, it's mostly oil and gas, but from there, a lot of other stuff happens. Um, my dad was smart and hardworking and extremely blessed and built up quite a business for himself. We took a company public in 2007 oil and gas company. Um, <clears throat> I went to ACU, got my uh, undergraduate in Bible and my master's in biblical and related studies. I've been in ministry at least four different times, full-time ministry. They keep sucking me back in. Um, <clears throat> and at the same time, I've always had another foot in the, in the world of business. When I was at ACU, I was taking Bible classes and all my, <clears throat> excuse me, all my, um, Electives were in business, right? Some sort of business class. So I've kind of been in both worlds for 30 years. Um, for the last six years, I was uh, the co-preacher with Mike Cope at the Golf Course Road Church in Midland, Texas. So I preach 20 times a year. Uh, so I'm very actively engaged in the church. And at the same time, have a full-time life uh, in, in the world of business. To tell you, we, we've got, I describe our business this way. <clears throat> The Mariah Group has three buckets. One of them is oil and gas. Um, 
we that's that's the biggest bucket has been historically uh, another bucket is real estate that's what i oversee primarily with my business partner our branch um just to give you a sense of scale um we've done about a billion three in acquisitions in real estate over the last 10 years um most of that with debt but um it, i'm not I'm, I kind of feel a little bit this morning like Paul says, I'm out of my mind to talk this way, but I want you to understand kind of where I'm coming from. We also have a bucket that we call other, and that's just we, we invest in operating companies of all different types. So mining, software, um, oil and gas services. Um, so this year, my accountant, our accountant, um, filed, I think, 75 tax returns. Um, so we've, that's, that's the number of partnerships and companies that we have, that, that we kind of help oversee. Um, this, this class, I told Mike I'd do it, has been a selfish exercise for me. Because for several years, <clears throat> I've been trying to formulate um, in a more uh, precise way what I mean and what, how I think about being a Christian businessman. I mean, there's, some, there's, there's several pieces that are pretty clear and easy, but there's, <clears throat> but there's also a, a, a framework, a moral compass, that I've been trying to, to understand how to develop that, how to think about that in a more precise way. And so this has been kind of an excuse for me to kind of put it down on paper. And uh, I've, had, I've had numerous conversations with some good friends in business, and, and the question I'm asking them is this. Where, where do you run into, what are the issues that, that cause you the most difficulty as a, as a believer? What are the things that, that when you run into them, you, they, they cause you to have to dig deep to understand what I do here? What's the right thing to do here? How do I navigate this, this issue? Um, and two, what are the scriptures that have formed your thinking? about all this what are the what are the passages you go to um, for the for the most part the issues that that most of us kind of gravitate to kind of go around two poles one are issues re re related to employees mm -hmm. and people who work for me how do I treat the people who work for me um, if you've not been in this position The question of how much do I pay somebody is 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 a place where it, it's 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 a difficult question. How much is enough? How much how much should I keep? And how much do I share with my employees? Um, one of the things I would I would tell you is as as we think about this. I've, dis I've, I've come to the conclusion that scripture can't answer the question. It has to inform my thinking around the question, but it can't answer the question. It ultimately has to be a spirit-led process that says, okay, here's, here's how I get there. Um, how do I deal with income disparity? How, how do I communicate um, about expectations and performance. Um, I do some consulting with an oil and gas company in Midland that's that's led by a Christian um, a Christian man and his team is they they've got a very strong um, Christian ethos. And one of the problems they've got is they've got a very strong commitment to what I call Christian nice, which means it's very difficult for them to talk about performance, to tell the truth about how somebody's doing, um, to say, hey, you're, you're, you're doing well here, but, but this is an area you really need to grow in. They just find it very difficult to have those conversations. And I don't know if that's primarily Southern or Christian, but some mix of that makes it very difficult to communicate about how, especially in a negative way, how someone's doing. So one poll of questions is around how do I treat employees. The second poll 
is how do I deal with competitors? How do I deal with uh, the people I'm negotiating with? What does it look like to be a Christ follower when I'm trying to close a deal? What does it look like for me, and, and I would put sort of my partners in this category. We have a number of different partnerships where we have people who invest with us, alongside of us. How do I deal with them? Um, what does it mean to be truthful and honest with a, in a negotiation? <coughs> how, how do I decide how much I need to share? I, I mean, it's, it, it, I, I'm committed to not lie, but I don't know that I'm committed to tell everything I know. And, that's, and, and the question is, how do I, as I follow Christ, what does it mean to let my yes be yes and my no be no? To tell the truth, to be an honest uh, man of God, right? Um, so what I want to do this morning is, um, <clears throat> for about the next 30 minutes I, or, or less, I want to kind of, I want to give you the scriptures that sort of inform our thinking around these questions. And then I want to kind of do some storytelling and um, see, have a discussion with you about just kind of say, here, here's some issues that, here, here's, here's what happened, and you tell me what, what issues need to be addressed here. Um, the first scripture that we go to, and we, in our office, I work with my brother, my business partner, I got uh, uh, five or six um, men and women in our office that are deeply devoted followers of Christ. And we have these conversations at least weekly, if not daily. Okay? We run into stuff all the time where we're asking questions, what would God have us do here? How do we, how do we navigate this with, with this deep commitment to being a Christ follower? And the one scripture, the first scripture that comes up for us is not going to surprise you. It's from Matthew when Jesus says, listen, I want you to treat men this way, men and women this way. I want you to do unto others what you would have them do to you. <clears throat> it's, it's not, I don't want you to do to them as they would have you do to them. It's, I want you to do to them what you would have them do to you. Right? Which means, and, and I think it, one of the reasons it's so important, which means that it forces me to think about what it's like to be the other person. It forces me to consider how is this being experienced by the person on the other side of the desk? How is this, how is this person hearing this? Or how is this person experiencing this? Or what does this, how does this come across to them? It, it, it forces me to consider not just my side of the equation, but to get on the other side and say, what does it look like from your point of view? What's it look like from where you sit? And, and, and that shapes, that's, that's sort of the beginning point for when we ask these questions, when we run into issues, that's the beginning point, is what would I want? And sometimes, um, and sometimes I say, well, I'm a big boy and this is a big game and I would want them to treat me fairly, but I don't expect them to treat me like a little kid. I don't expect them to treat me like a little baby, so I'd, I'd be okay. You know, if I'm, if I'm, <clears throat> we, we recently bought a, a several, recently, a couple of years ago, bought a big oil and gas company in Wyoming and hadn't turned out really well, uh, partly because we looked at the data wrong. Well, the company we bought it from knew that. They knew what, they knew, they knew what that, what was there, and they didn't tell us, and I don't expect them to. We're, we're responsible, you know, so, so when I get on my side of the table, if, if, if I was on the other side, I would want them to give me honest data, but it's my job to figure it out. That's, that's what we do. So I don't, I don't feel mistreated or abused or cheated because it was, it, it, that's, that's our responsibility, right? I have a quick question on that. Sure. If it had to be you as the Wyoming guy, and then yeah. selling yeah. to them. Would you have given them that missing data? <coughs> um, so that's what I'm saying. If, or, if, or if, if, the, if, the, if the roles were reversed, yeah. 
I, I think my answer is I'd have given them the same data they gave me. It was it was out there. It was in and and it was it was it was my responsibility. To, to study it, yeah. right, right, to, to come to a conclusion. And we guessed wrong. We made some assumptions that were wrong. But the other company who'd had it for several years, they, 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 they had come to the conclusion that the, the right conclusion that we, we missed on, okay? But it's, thank you for asking the question. It, it, that's, the, the issue is, can I get on the other side of the table and say, what, what would I want? If I was if I was sitting in that seat, right? Either as an employee or as a partner or as a competitor, what would I want? How would I want to be treated? Um, the second one, this 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 may seem odd to you, but the second one that we go to a lot is from Matthew chapter ten and verse sixteen, where Jesus says, "Listen, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, and I want you." To be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Which means Jesus has an expectation that I engage the world without naivete. Right? That, that there's an expectation that as I enter into the world, I'm supposed to be good, yes, but not dumb. I'm supposed to be honest, but not foolish. I'm supposed to be God honoring, right? But not silly, not naive. There's a there's an expectation that as we that, that as I engage with the world of business that 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 I have to bring my <clears throat> intelligence and my understanding of people and my uh, understanding of the world of business and how things work. Um, one of the things that we're very aware of, if, if we're very aware of, is, is, is the issue of leverage, right? So as a businessman, what I want, I want leverage. I want to be in a position where I can force you to do what I want, right? That's very, very, very dangerous. It, 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 they're, they're, that's, that's when things start getting pretty murky. When I, when I, when I write the contract so that it benefits me and all of a sudden we come up against it and I can force you to do what I want, those are tough situations. And so I, I, we think, I think that Jesus expects me to be wise as a serpent, to, to, under, to be, and, and wise as a serpent isn't a real flattering kind of wisdom, right? It, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, I'm supposed to understand the way the world works. But I'm at the same time supposed to come at it with a kind of innocence and a kind of goodness, a kind of purity. And, and that balance is what we're looking for. That, that's the discussion that we're having every day. How do we be wise and good? How, how do we... Um, navigate effectively the world of commerce and at the same time deal with it in a God-honoring way. Um, the third passage is from Matthew 25 and Luke 19 and that's the parable of the talents. So we take very seriously the idea of stewardship. That in, in those stories, and you remember that Jesus said, okay, the, the master left and he left behind um, a bags full of money. And he told those guys to take that money and to take care of it while he was gone. And so um, one of the, when I, when I love to preach those stories. Um, so one of the things I ask people, so you remember that, that one guy took, the, he, he had five bags of money and he turned it into 10 and one guy had three and he turned it into six and one guy had one and he, he went and buried it, right? He just... So the question is, what did the one guy who had one, who had one bag of money, what did he do while the master was away? And most people answer he did nothing, right? Well, the truth is no. What he did was whatever he wanted to do. He lived his whole life without even considering 
what the master might want, what the master might need, what the master's interests were. He went. He, he didn't do nothing. He just did exactly what he wanted to do without any consideration at all for the master. The reward for the other two was because they woke up every morning and said, okay, I got, I got $1,000, how do I turn it into two? What do I do today that can advance the master's purposes? And, and it's in the world of business that that happened, right? So for us, that kind of stewardship, to think that God, God owns everything and he's entrusted us with resources and opportunities and talents that we need to put to good work. Um, most of the time when I hear that those parables preached, it's preached in the context of church. That you should bring your time and your talents and your resources to, to bear for the church. And I believe that's true. But we view it that we're supposed to bring our time, talent, resources, energy to bear on the kingdom through our business. That that's one of the places where we expand, extend, live out the kingdom. That the kingdom is supposed to show up when I show up on Monday morning. Right? That that's, that's part of how we are stewards of God's stuff. Um, third passage is Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, in order or deed, do it all as, as if you're doing it to the Lord. Um, we expect to be good at what we do. We think it honors God to be excellent at what we do. That for us to run a business, that it's as important to do that well as it is for me to preach on Sunday mornings. That honoring God means that, that whatever I do, whether it's at church or at home or at work, that excellence is part of that. Now that brings with it some challenges. Um, a little over... Uh, well, a couple years ago, we brought in a consultant to help us um, sort of navigate some executive issues. And uh, he's a Christian man out of Nashville. Just did a terrific job for us. Spent a couple of days with us, talked to us, and, and sat down with me and my dad and my brother Kerry and said, um, here's what I've noticed about you. He said, you are really, really, really nice people, and you are really, really hard men. <laughs> um, and I've carried that phrase for a, a couple of years and what he meant by that is you're really nice people but you have really high expectations you're, you, you've got um, you, your world uh, you're very aware of performance you're very aware of execution how well someone does their job, what kind of capabilities they have, what kind of competence and, and capacity they have. We're, we're very aware of that. So how, how do I live as a Christ follower with that sort of orientation? Um, and, and, it, and it gets difficult. Because um, in some ways... Right, so having someone, giving someone a job, isn't for me charity. Right? That's different. Um, it is God honoring. It is there's a there, it's 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 important. But how do I hold intention, high expectations for doing something well, and at the same time. Um, do it with love, right? It's it it's it sometimes gets tough. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, the the next one is uh, this might surprise you too. Uh, from Romans sixteen verse eighteen, I love this passage. I don't believe that you can do business without conflict. 
I just, I just don't believe you can. The nature of it is, I don't think you do light. I don't think you do church without conflict, but you certainly can do business without conflict. And in Romans 16, Paul says, if it's possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And I love this tension. I go back to this all the time because there, there are times when it's not possible. Right? It's not possible to be at peace with someone. We're, we're looking at the world through two very different lenses, and we just disagree. Um, but there's an expectation that from my side, I'm going to do whatever I can to come to peace. Understanding that I, I don't control the whole equation. But there are just some times when I'm going to end up saying, I've done what I can. Hopefully, I've... Uh, leaned across the middle, right? So hopefully I've, I've gone further than I should have or needed to or was supposed to. But we might not be, we might not come out of this thinking, you know, you might not think well of me coming out of this. Um, and, and that, this, this gives me peace. That there are times when I do everything I can and at the end of the day, you still think I'm a jerk. And, and I can't, I can't help it. Um, that I, I don't think that the call of Christ means that everybody has to like me. Uh, and that's hard. That's hard. And I think that, again, the more responsibility you have, the more decision-making responsibility you have, the more the, those kinds of issues are going to be more. Nobody gets mad at the guy uh, flipping hamburgers. right? He just does his job. But the guy who decides how much he gets paid, he's going to he, right? That those he's going to be the one in the firing line. Um, the next one is from Matthew chapter five: Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus said, "Don't don't play around. Don't play games. Tell the truth." Um, for us, that means that that we don't promise what we can't deliver. That, that part of being a Christian is to say, okay, here's what I can do, and here's what I'm not going to do. That clear communication around that is important. The next one is Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. We, um, I, I might have put this one uh, way up the list. That's when God says, look, when, when you go over your fields, you leave the corners and the edges. You don't go over them twice. You don't go through the vineyard twice. You leave the corners and the edges. Because that's for the widow and the alien and the orphan. Now, for us, what that principle means is that part of our job, part of our role as kingdom businessmen and businesswomen is to create opportunities for people. It's, it's one thing to hand out you know, give someone a handout. It's another thing to provide them with an opportunity, to let them with dignity and, um, and, and hard work be able to do something for themselves. And, and we, we really do think of it that way. It, it's, it's how we kind of set up our compensation. It's how, it's, it's, it's how we um, think about business opportunities is we're trying to lead the court. So it, on the one hand, when I'm negotiating with someone, I, I, want, I want to make a good deal for our side, right? But I don't need to take it all. I don't have to have it all. Um, I, I need to leave. I, I want that one to win. I want him to win, too. Uh, there, there's a, an awful lot of people, I think, in the business world who view it in a real binary way is, is you win, I lose, or I win, you lose. And there's sometimes when that may be true, but for us, uh, it's pretty important to think about this principle that we want to we want to leave enough opportunity that 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 you can do well too. Um, the last two passages are are kind of passages that I think sit on sit as sort of a, kind of warnings or just we we, we play this tape and and the first one is from James chapter. Five. I want to go ahead and read that passage. I forgot my Bible in Midlands, so I'm going to have to read off my phone. 
Um, James chapter 5. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that's coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Your gold, uh, your, their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You fattened yourself on the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. So that one sits there. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a clear kind of warning that says, listen, you need to, you need to, you're, you're going to answer for this someday. And you need to be careful how you treat particularly the people who work for you. And if you're cheating people, and if you're, using them as tools and not seeing them as people, that's going to come back on you. Someday you think, you know, you, you're, you're, you're priding yourself on how you've lived and managed and how well you've done, and someday that's going to come back on you. So that one sits there as kind of a, uh, I don't know, kind of a warning siren that's going off all the time. Um, and the second, one that, the second one that I would say is, is a difficult passage for us is... When Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 5 and says, look, if somebody asks you, if someone sues you for your shirt, like, give them your coat too. So does that mean when I'm in a negotiation that I just roll on everything? Um, it, it's, I think it's an important counterpoint for us, and we, we keep that again as kind of a as, as, as part of what shapes our moral compass around us. Is to say, man, I'm not in the world to get mine, and I got to be careful how I manage that. Um, so I want to just go through a few case studies with you, and, and I'd love to have you have a conversation with me about it. Um, the names have been yes. The last scripture is Matthew chapter 5, verse 40, 42. Um, so the names have been changed, some of the circumstances have been changed to protect the innocent and the not so innocent, right? Um, so, first one. I'm, in, I'm currently, in fact, this morning I had to work through a, a piece of the contract. I'm currently in negotiation um, about two months ago. One of my business partners in another part of our life called me and said, hey, we got this product. He said, I'm a, I'm a minority investor in this deal, and it's really, really exciting. And these guys are in trouble. They need money. You need to look at it. So we got on the phone, and we started looking at it. And sure enough, it, it, it may be, it's one of the most exciting things I've looked at in a long, long time. It's a big, big deal. And the trouble is these guys aren't having any success selling it. And they've gone through nearly $20 million um, in equity and debt. And we're looking at trying to figure out what the problem is. And it turns out that the problem is that the guys who are talking to me about it are absolute knuckleheads. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, if, if they could make a wrong move, they've made it. If they could present it in the wrong way, they present it the wrong way. So we're looking at it going, okay, this looks really good, but we're going to have to fire you <laughs> to do it. So what do you do? <clears throat> I'm asking you, what do you do? Yeah. I think it's important to... Um allow them to stay, of course, in their, in their business deal, but put them in a different aspect of it, but also be upfront and honest with, hey, like show them the numbers. I think it's important to show what happened. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so as we're going through it, we're, we're saying, okay, how would I want to be treated, right. right? So these guys are in desperate shape. They're gonna go bankrupt next, next month, right? They are out of money. Right that they're gonna to have to close down everything. So in that condition, what would I, how would I wanna be treated, right? And um, yes, 
not necessarily. One of the things that I've learned is watching Abraham and Jacob do something similar. Like when Abraham was buying uh, the cave, is it uh -huh. And the owner said, oh, I know you. Uh, I'll give it to you for you. He said, yeah. no, no, no. Because men has a tendency of coming back. He may be nice, he may say, uh, you know, help him today. Uh -huh. But once he is able, he, he has no problem coming yeah. back to hurt you. Yeah. So it's become obvious to us um, that these guys have an integrity problem, among other things. Uh, they've, they've gone through all that money and don't really care um, on behalf of, of the people who've invested in them. Um, they have a competence problem. So, so our thinking is, on the one hand, we want to quarantine them, right? Um, on the other hand, um, we can't we can't do business with them going forward in any in any significant way. So we did exactly what you suggested. About two weeks in, um, we said, "Okay, guys, here's the truth. We're probably interested in investing some money in this company, but it's going to mean that you have to step aside. And if you're not okay with that, if you've got other options, then you tell us now, and we'll walk away." But if we go forward, here's what it's going to look like. And it's going to be a very different role for you. And it's going to be a very different, and, and they're desperate enough. So they're desperate enough that they said, yep, let's do that. Um, they've got a multinational conglomerate that's in the middle. We're, we're, I mean, I, this is an, it's an absolute dogfight and hairball. And it's, it's what we're particularly good at, helping navigate through really complicated situations. And, and we're kind of bringing... Of three different parties, we're the fourth kind of to, to the table and helping kind of negotiate all the way through it and get, get it all cleaned up so we can move forward. Um, but it's very, it's very, very painful to them. And so one of the things we have to do is help them understand the reality of their situation. We had to tell them the truth. Here's, you know, here, here's what we're seeing. Here's what it looks like. And here's what we expect going forward. And we're going to leave them a piece of business that they can, that, that's an opportunity for them that, that, that sort of is, is quarantined, that they may or may not, I, I have every expectation that they will not make it. <laughs> um, but I have, a, I, we felt responsible to leave, to give them an opportunity. And maybe, maybe some better coaching will help them, maybe some better um, oversight will help them. But, um, but it's a situation where, uh, we're not walking in saying here's here's some money and you guys go do what you want with right and, and we're trying to navigate it with some honesty um, with some wisdom wise as serpents um, and we t in fact I, I told them last week I said guys um, we're going to be in a position after we do this deal where I can put you into bankruptcy and that may be the best thing for the company and we might do that. And you need to know, if, if you're not okay with that, then we need to stop right now. And they're desperate enough that they're saying, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll let you get in that spot. Um, so another piece that that brings up for me is one of the things I told you, one of the things that we're very aware of is leverage. When, when power inequities are on my side, that's when I have to be very, very, very careful. That's why my relationship with my employees is extremely <clears throat> important. Because I'm in a different, I'm in a different position of power. I think Philippians chapter two, and it says that um, you, your mindset ought to be like Jesus, who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. I think the whole incarnation sort of indicates that when you're in a position of power, that you're supposed to move toward the weak and protect the weak. Uh, I mean, um, we just signed signed a contract uh, on Friday that uh, so very similar uh, got a got a group of medical students, and I got introduced to this through my son who's in medical school. Said, "Dad, these kids have come up with something, and I want you to look at it." So I said, "Okay, we'll look at it." And we brought in some consultants, and they said, "Man, this is this is a really this is a great little product that they've come up with." So. Now, I, now I'm in a position to negotiate with these medical students, right? I told uh, 
It's my lawyer who's writing the deal. Um, I've done this a hundred times. They've done this zero. They don't know what they don't know, right? So I've got a, I've got a terrific opportunity to take advantage of. And I feel compelled as a Christ follower to protect them. Because the power and equity is such that now my job is not... So, so when, I'm, when I'm working with um, an equal, a peer, or, a, or someone who's got power, then, I, then, then I, we'll go toe-to-toe, right? Then it's a game. But when the power and equity is, is significantly different... I think the scriptures teach that when you are in a position of power, that it's your responsibility to lean toward the weak. That when, 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 you're, when you've got the leverage, just because you've got the leverage doesn't mean you need to use it all the time. Now that's a very different outlook than, than most, um, most business people I know. I've got a banker that I use. Um, <laughs> and... And he claims to be a believer. And I know this to be true. He cannot help himself. If he has an advantage or leverage, he will use it. He, if, and and I, I just know he will. We'll get to the day before the, the deal, the, it's supposed to close and he's supposed to fund. And he'll say, oh, by the way, I need you. I know we haven't talked about this before. But I need you to personally guarantee this loan with your wife and all your children and all your belongings and your future in heaven. <laughs> and I don't have a choice. He will, he will, he will, I know it, so I'm very careful about what deals I do with him. Um, all right. Any other, any other thoughts around, uh, around that? My only problem was that when you said integrity. Yeah. I mean, if they're lacking integrity. So they're lacking integrity, uh-huh. right? Um, but so do most of the people I deal with, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we're, we're, we're trying to set things up where, where they're separate. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some control and say so over what they do, um, but they're not part of our company, so we'll let them continue to do business, um, and hopefully they'll be able to build something out of it. So, so um, basically... Yeah, they were dead, mm-hmm. and we're helping keep them alive, but they're, they've amputated a couple of limbs, right? <laughs> yeah. You mentioned being hard men. Yeah. And then you mentioned consulting with those who had Christian nice. Yeah. How do you, or do you even try to move toward the middle? Because I, I find myself at times falling in the polar opposites in my businesses. There are times that I... Just because of the particular nature of one of the businesses, I'm Christian nice. And I turn the other cheek and turn the other cheek and turn the other cheek with employees or customers. And that bites me financially. Other times, I find myself being a hard man. And then I struggle in the morning when I look in the room. Um, So for us, we, we... we're trying to get better. I think this, it's, it's around communication, that communicating becomes really important. Uh, so another scripture that I go to every now and then is uh, speaking the truth in love. We will all grow up into him who's the head. Mm-hmm. So there, come, there's, 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 there are times when it's important to tell the truth mm-hmm. in a loving way. And, and frankly, that's an area that we're not very good at. So um, we, we built a company uh, my brother and I started two companies back in 1991. One's the oil and gas company that he ran and, and took public in 2007. And the other was a, was a consulting company. And a consulting company, um, we knocked on doors for a year without a single client and just banged our head against the wall, banged our head against the wall. And it finally started rolling. And it is an extremely profitable business for us. And... The nice part about it is that it requires very little input from us. It takes, uh, we hired a, a, a legal secretary who was a high school graduate and, and nothing more, and one other uh, kind of accounting clerk person, 
and that's all it needs. And it, it just has, it's a, it's a great little business. Well, in the course of that, that little secretary, um, I'm sorry, that sounds demeaning. I don't, um, she did, she does the paperwork. And I mean, she's getting paid probably four times what she could get anywhere else. Um, and it was absolutely the wrong thing to do to pay her that much. Mm. It was absolutely the wrong thing to do to pay her that much. Mm. Because um, when I was asking this question, how do you think about uh, how do you think about paying people? You know? Two different, two different men said, listen, if you overpay someone for what they could get, you end up making them a slave. They're stuck in a place that they really resent because they don't like it. They, they, they can't leave because you've made them a slave. And that's what we did to her. And her resentment grew. And she started looking, <laughs> she started saying, well, I make this much, and you guys make this much, and that's not fair, right? And, and the whole time I'm saying, but, you know, we, we've, if, if you left us, you'd get a fourth of that, or, or, you know. And so about three weeks ago, um, she went in, uh, snuck in, it was, the, it was the Friday of Easter, so all of us were out of the office. She came in, downloaded a bunch of files off of, off of the computer, and announced to us she had started uh, a competing company with our clients and our idea. And so what do you do? What do you do? You go back to the contract that you had her sign when she started. <laughs> yeah. I wish I'd had a non-compete there in place, but we didn't, so we weren't wise as serpents in that case. Yeah. So is she going to find her own consultants? Or how, what is she? No, she's going to be the consultant. So we've provided this service, um, and she's going to compete directly with us, mm -hmm. with our customers, with our clients mm -hmm. that we've spent 30 years building into. It's been done. Yeah. So what do you do? You have a conversation with the clients one-on-one -on -one and say, this is what's going on. Yeah, so um, I, uh, that's, that's exactly right, but I think we have a, uh, I, I don't want to speak ill, right? I don't want to, I don't have to tell that story and name names exactly. all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. At this point, there's nothing you can do with her. Because okay. she's she's oh, already oh ma'am yes I can well I mean yeah you oh, can definitely you can she's got trade secrets <laughs> right um, packed up in her bag that I can I can absolutely yeah. sue her right you can sue her but I'm saying as far as like Should going I? to be malice towards her I don't think so because I think that this this is part of business this happens all the time this is what business people do unfortunately but that's why we're in this class exactly right but then because. Yeah. Right. Matthew 18, which says, if your brother or sister sins against you, you go to them. So that's the first thing. You go to them and right. you talk about their options because you have options. Because you also have a responsibility to your own family. It's your business. Yeah. It's bad stewardship. Yeah. You just have the responsibility to her, too. She was wrong. She did wrong. Yeah, speak to you yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. You know. and, and her response is James 5. Is you didn't pay me fairly. You, got, you, you, you didn't take care. You, you didn't share with me like you should have. And so, therefore, um, you know, you guys are bad people, and so, therefore, I can do whatever I want. I'll let the courts decide. <laughs> but, I, but Jesus tells me not to sue. See, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't. So, so on this one and the previous one, one of the things I was thinking is, to me, it's a lot of times it's to give that other individual information and choice. Uh -huh. uh, with those, those guys that had the other business, to me... Uh, 
you gave them an opportunity and said, we're interested in this, but yeah. to do that, yeah. you've got to make a decision. Yeah. Will you do this? Or if you won't, that's fine. So, so you gave them an so, opportunity. So, yes. And so we call that playing with our cards face up, right? right. So we're, we're going to play this game with our cards right. face up, and you're going to see, well, I'm not going to sneak up on you. I'm not going to get in a position where I could whack you on the back of the head. Right. right. So with her, to me, it's very similar. You, you have to communicate to her. You broke the law. You stole yeah. trade data. Right. That's illegal. I can sue you. You have a choice. You either stop what you're doing and walk away, or we have to take matters <laughs> in our hands. And so, I, you know, I yeah. understand the challenge yeah. of just saying you don't sue one another and all that. Um, but there's a little bit of struggle so, with a so business you, to a business. So, it, so do you understand what I mean when I say that that the answers get more difficult, the questions get more difficult, and the questions get answered get great? Right, because we're and we're wrestling because we really want to honor God in this situation. We want to be so. There's a you know, personal relational kind of approach, and there's kind of a corporate approach. And what's what's right? Well, to, back to my point. To me, you put her in the in yeah. a bit in the driver's seat and say you have a choice to make. You know what you did is illegal. Yeah, she, does, she knows that. Yeah, you um, stole data. Unfortunately, she knows I'm not going to sue her. <laughs> she knows I'm yeah. not. I'm that, I can't bluff her on that one. Yeah. What would you do then if she stole in your car? Um, just turned it, it. Again, those are. It's a. It's a. So sometimes you turn the other cheek. Yeah. Sometimes. You sometimes do. you just turn the other cheek. And, and <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. Would you weigh in a Christian versus non-Christian? So she goes to church with me. Oh. <laughs> almost all, almost everybody in our office does. Yes, sir. Will she listen to the elders? I mean, they're the no. judge. No, no, no. Well, then you do have an option. You can take her to court. Yeah. Um, what if there's some validity to the basis of an argument that fundamentally a, a high rate disparity between worker pay and executive pay is actually a valid argument? That's a and then that, that was causation. <laughs> so, Dad, who asked that question? Because we've everyone in this room has very quickly come to the yeah. Conclusion that she's so, 100 wrong. So one of the things, right, one of the discussions we had was maybe she's right. right. Maybe we didn't treat her fairly. <laughs> if that's true, though, that's her solution is not the answer. Right. Okay. I mean, she should have come to you and, and yeah. really had that. Discussion she should have. Seriously. Absolutely, she should have. The theft right. is still not the answer. <laughs> yeah. But is that not a definition of master versus servant? That would a servant question. How much money the master makes? That I so it's interesting that you ask that question because I, I view the master-servant passage in the New Testament as being very applicable to to employee-employer, um, and and so um, when I'm in the master role, right? That's I, it's not my job to teach the servant that principle, right? That's when I'm in the servant role. It, 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 so. Um, yeah, you understand. You understand. You understand what I'm trying to describe here, and the, and the question. So these these scriptures have have formed for formed for us a kind of pathway and, and matrix to say, okay, how do we how do we navigate these issues? Yes, sir. What kind of conversation did you end up having with her? Uh, we had the conversation that said. Uh, this is not right, um, and we think what you've done is really sorry, and then listened for 30 minutes while she blew up and told us what terrible people we were. Um, and, and because you're good at what you do in the marketplace, you'll win. So that's... So let me. So I got one minute. So let me let me give you a principle that that for us, um, because God owns it all, we think there's a kind of God math that I don't have to win this one, right? That God can make up for it, and so I can turn the other cheek and I can lose this one, and 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 trust that God can make up for it somewhere else. Um, so I don't enter into it with this with this need to win. Um, and I think that applies across the board for us. Is we, we believe God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and so therefore, um, you know, if we were wrong here, and and she's 
and she's right that she deserves all this. Now, I, I personally think she's not understanding the contribution we've made to that to that business. She, right? Um, but if she's right, then God can make it up on her side. If, if, if I'm right, God can make it up on mine, and it doesn't always get evened out in this life. And so we just kind of say there's a there's another. It's a it's a pretty complicated math, but we but we've got to calculate God into the into the equation, right? Um, yes, sir. I just uh, am wrestling with, uh, you know, there are consequences for our actions. Right. And when, when people are immune or skate by the consequences, right. they don't learn anything. And I don't know if you're doing this woman a, a yeah. service by, so, by not letting her thank, thank feel you. the consequences yeah. of breaking the law. So you don't I, have to sue her. Yeah. Just tell the law. So, um, yeah, I agree with you that that we need to be part of, uh, that, that there's a, that there's a, but I would say, I'm going to Peter now and saying, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. That I'm going to leave that part of the equation. I'm not the one that has to bring justice. That God will, God will, God's going to teach that some way, somehow, and I'm not going to have to. And I, I know her well enough to know uh, I'm not the right person to try to teach her in this circumstance. This, this makes me think of how we struggle with kids raising children and letting them suffer consequences yeah. and learn hard lessons yeah. and, right. yeah. and how you balance that and she will protecting she them. will that's I, we've got to close i've got i've got six more stories i'd like to tell you but I can't. Uh, thank you for your time uh, i've really enjoyed thinking about this i hope that it's it, it sort of spurs you to um especially if you're in the ministry to think uh, more deeply about how the people that you're preaching to or teaching um, what they're having to try to navigate. It's it's not as simple as tell the truth and don't cheat and right. be nice. It, it, it is it's complicated. Mm -hmm. But I do think we need to to help each other. One of one of the things I, I want to talk about. I don't have time to talk about is we have built a community of discernment. So we talk about this within our group all the time, all the time. Um, and it's a, it's a community of, of people that help us say, what about this, what about this, and look at it differently. Thank you very much. I'm, we've gone over time. Appreciate your presence.